0: Join the conversation. Join the conversation. You're with Kate Talk. Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Hello, Rebecca.
1: John, I feel like you and I are chatting a lot at the moment. In a good way.
0: Oh, I, I, yes. I, you would have heard a horrified pause from me as I try to absorb <laughs> the implications of that statement. Stop no calling anything. me, Matham. Just fact facts only <laughs> yeah well, well that's because you do such interesting work and talk about oh, it with such you, articulate energy there we go so rebecca um mama Keti pakeng's time at uct has come to a well-paid end
1: yes although i mean if you are to listen to the lady herself there is very little indication from her social media outpouring that this is the case in fact she called a uh, Perfectly accurate, in my view, News 24 report on her 12 million round payout hogwash. Exactly why she called it that is totally unclear, because from everything we have heard, and I myself have seen the settlement agreement she has signed, it was, as I said, totally uh, accurate. So she will be leaving UCT as of the 3rd of March she's on sick leave as I understand it until then so it is highly likely she effectively won't really be back on campus at all and as you say she will do so her exit that is, in a very well paid fashion, which is to say a year's salary, which is over 4 million and then a, a lump sum payout of over 8 million together with benefits for life reduced tuition fees at dependents, and uh, medical aid as well
0: and You've also, I mean, had access to uh, the the content of some of the discussions where the settlement was finally agreed to. And there were, as I suppose is inevitable, to and froing on this. Some people felt that somebody who hadn't performed up to expectations shouldn't be so generously treated. Others felt that this was a, a relatively quick and easy way out of a very difficult situation for the university.
1: Yes, and I think these responses have actually been mirrored by what I've seen from the general public on social media. Um, there are those who feel that she is getting off lightly, particularly given that the UC Council had received legal advice to the effect that there was probably a case of misconduct to be made against her for various aspects, to do with the governance crisis, to do with her social media behaviour, to do with the recent student protests. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff, actually. But then again, as you say, there were those who also argued very forcefully, and I understand that the lawyers for UCT in particular argued this forcefully that it simply was desirable for her to end her tenure as soon as possible because of the reputational damage it was doing to UCT because of other forms of damage. Um, and that also, that goodness, goodness me, John, for all my articulate energy, I've completely lost my train of thought. Because funders, John, that's it, funders, Funders were apparently putting a lot of pressure. There have been funders behind the scenes being like, get rid of Mamogeti Pokeheng, please, as soon as you can, because she is doing a lot of damage to this university. So, as usual, there were discussions behind the discussions, if you know what I mean, that also led to this decision.
0: And it is a story that you've been tracking for for quite a while, and a lot of the information which is in the public domain has entered the public domain through your reporting and the quality of your sources. And, I mean, it's kind of sad, you know, that it's come to this.
1: I think it's very sad, John, and I think that one of the reasons it's sad that people don't realise is that there was actually a lot of goodwill and excitement, I think, I mean, there are those who have had, had misgivings from the start about Mamohendra King's leadership, because it was true that she had a checkered past at other universities, Unisa, I think, in particular, um, and there were doubts even from the start. You know this, which is why she had to get leadership coaching and so on, that she might be the right person for the job. But there were also others who felt, you know, that particularly in the kind of freshness she brought to the role, that there was something quite special there that her accessibility to students on social media, at least initially, looked like something desirable and um, kind of appealing, that it was helping to, you know, bring New brand into the 21st century. And, um, you know, there are benefits to all of that. Of course, it's never nice to see a a relationship end in this manner. It's never nice, frankly, to see a high-profile woman sort of fail in this manner, I think, personally. Um, but I also think that attempts to frame the narrative around issues of gender and race are misplaced. Genuinely, in this in this instance, we discussed this before. But it is also true that some of the most um, vocal criticism of Mamuheadi Pekeng has come from other women of colour. So I don't think that for her supporters to chalk this up to to an agenda of racism or sexism, it can really be validated in the sense.
0: I was hoping, Rebecca, later on in the program to talk to the uh, local representative of Puffin, the publishers, who have decided to rid Roald Dahl's books of offensive language. And offensive as in character being called fat in the book is now being called enormous because fat is offensive in a way that enormous is not. And there are other changes that are being made that are of, in my opinion, similarly ridiculous natures ah so you've you've played your cards there john yes i have
1: so i i confess to feeling a bit conflicted about this john and let me tell you why as you know i have a three-year-old son and i have banned the use of the word fat around him and that is because frankly i am too nervous about the possibility for grotesque social embarrassment because of what kids are like, because of the possibility that he could go out in public and start pointing at people and calling them fat. So it's not because I'm some crazy woke lord, it is purely out of, to minimize my own sense of social embarrassment. So from that perspective, I mean, it's not a word I particularly like either. I love Roald Dahl, I think it is also possible to acknowledge that he was personally a revolting anti-Semite and a lot of other very nasty things, but I have no problem separating the art from the artist in this instance. But I think it's also interesting, John, I was doing a bit of reading around this, that even the original Roald Dahls were subjected to so-called sensitivity reads of their time. I was fascinated to learn, for instance, that the Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory were originally pygmies, that Roald Dahl had written them to be, I mean, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, pygmies from the deepest, darkest African jungle. And even by the, you know, kind of remarkable standards of that time, that was found to be a, a shade too far. So he was convinced to turn them into kind of magical orange people who didn't really exist. So it is not as if, you know, he has been given free reign until now, and now there's this kind of sea change. It is also the case that there are shifting social morals and the likes, and that literature does get updated and i and
0: i and i do think that we should have sensitivity readers but i think also that one should err rather on the side of offending than on the side of neutralizing
1: i think that's right but you know john the other reason i feel i do feel conflicted about this is because i'm not convinced that changing the description of augustus gloop from fat to enormous would in any way lessen the enjoyment of a child reading this book. It seems to me to be a, a kind of strangely neutral um, swap out, if you know what I mean. So, so that-
0: if if Miles was walking with you and Haji on the Seapoint Promenade and a person who is significantly overweight walked past and Miles said, she's enormous, it would be less embarrassing to you than... <laughs>
1: I'm laughing in absolute horror. Um, I think it might be, John, wouldn't it? I don't know. I feel like because it would be so much more absurd. Um, There's something less cruel about enormous, isn't there? But I don't think at the same time that it reduces the humor or playfulness. In fact, I think it might actually up it. I mean, that is one of the less egregious of the changes. I admit, I think that there are others which don't come to mind at the moment, which were more problematic and in general i hate the idea that anything would be done to all those work to render them less magic because they really are they're so mischievous they're so naughty in that way that kids really love i think these changes must be taken you know any kind of change of this kind has to be done with a very very light touch but it seems to me that maybe puffin is erring on the side of lightness just enough
0: you now somebody just sent me a photograph of uh, um, well, a, a cartoon. Just in, Roll dolls, Charlie and the Quinoa Factory. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate? No, can't have chocolate. It makes you enormous. So <laughs> you must have quinoa. <laughs> and, and then Rebecca, finally, you and I, the way we dress naturally to do our work is being recognised as the way to go.
1: It is, John, and it makes us very, very trustworthy. And you know, I've always said that, being sweaty and scruffy and grubby apparently just bespeaks integrity. This is according to the BBC News' director, Nigel Nielsen, who has instructed on-air journalists to look a bit dirtier, <laughs> because being sweaty and dirty when you're out in the field is viewed as more trustworthy And if we look like we've just stepped out of an awards ceremony or a fine dinner party. John, as you say, I feel the truly our sartorial moment has come because i radiate trustworthiness if you saw me right now sitting in my bedroom you would not believe how trustworthy i look you would give me all your money without a second thought
0: (laughs) rebecca davis thank you very very much indeed i'll try and leave a, a decent interval before we call you again